The following production is brought to you by the Talkin' Buds Leave Show. I just want to take a moment off the top here to pat ourselves on the back and say that the Talking Buds Leaf show should be your go-to destination for leaf discussion and analysis because we have been sitting here for months, and I mean months. I'm talking like back in November saying things like this team is not deep enough they're, they're an e- still an easy team to play against, especially in the bottom six. The defensive depth is not there. And guess who agreed with us, my friend? Kyle Dubas agreed with us because fresh off doing an episode yesterday talking about the acquisitions of Jake McCabe and Sam Lafferty, the, G- the general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs turned the NHL upside down today with a flurry of moves and continuing to change the DNA of this hockey team. When was the last time we saw a moment in this league where you had to keep refreshing your Twitter feed because stuff was happening at such a furious pace? I mean, this all we've been talking about is how this league is just boring and how it's nothing exciting. And this is the, even though it's not deadline day yet, but holy shit, is this league been turned upside down? And it's incredible, but it's really exciting. And it's exactly what the NHL needs. Uh, a bunch of front-running teams doing whatever they can to to make their teams better. And by that, creating excitement around the NHL. It's just been absolutely incredible, absolute madness. And this is all we've been asking for, really. Yesterday, I put my stake in the ground and I said, it's time to give Kyle Dubas a contract extension. Come on. Like, are you not entertained? This man is, this dude has stones the size of grapefruits and is interchanging the the DNA of this hockey team. Yeah, but why did it take seven years to do it? Like that that's that's the problem. It's it's when did my biggest question with all these trades is when did he decide he was going to do all this? Because in my opinion, it's about five years too late. Well, uh, even though I'm I am very excited that it's happening, but I'm just if I had to knock against it, it would be when did the when did he decide this and why is it happening now and why didn't it happen three years ago? They clearly have had discussions uh, I'm guessing in the recent months looking at the teams that they're going to have to get through um, come playoff time. And we're talking about Tampa and Boston specifically and are like, we're not good enough to beat this team. If you look at the moves they've made and we're going to go through them in a second. And if you read the quotes that Sheldon Keefe in particular gave after practice today, they are clearly prioritizing being a team that's harder to play against and bringing in guys that, like, it's the the biggest thing that this core group has been criticized for is not necessarily laying it all on the line and not having that burning desire to win at all costs. And when you look at the quotes coming out of Sheldon Keefe and then coming out of some of the new players' mouths, that's very clearly what they've identified as an intangible that Boston has in their dressing room, that Tampa has in their dressing room that they didn't necessarily have in theirs. Yeah. I mean, 
I, I guess just, I guess you didn't really know who was available until this, this time of year, but it's incredible to see like just the difference in age on this hockey team. Like just all of a sudden, every new guy brought in is, is almost 30, 30 plus years old. And just the age of experience and the type of hockey player that have entered this roster. It's just like, wow. Like just, just wow. Just overnight, just a complete culture change. Just, just wow. That's all I can say. So let's go through them here. Chronologically. We found out it was about, I was about four o'clock Eastern this afternoon when uh, it was announced that the Leafs had traded Rasmus Sandin to the Washington Capitals for defenseman Eric Gustafson and the Bruins first round pick in 2023. So, which is going to be a high pick, but it's still a first round pick. There's tons of speculation that that pick could still be in play and that he might not be done, which is crazy to think about. But let's talk about the departure of Rasmus Sandin, um, a guy who at one point in time, I would say was the highest ranked prospect in the organization. Um, someone who uh, people looked at as maybe a, a potential sort of heir parent to Morgan Riley's role. Um, he had the the contract situation going into camp this year, um, ended up signing has had a really up and down season. He's had nights where he's looked really, really good. And I think at the end of the day, Timothy Lilligren passed him on the organizational depth chart and they needed to move out his salary, even though he had a small cap hit, but it's something they felt like they had to do. Yeah. Guy, he just couldn't stay. Didn't really do a great job of staying healthy either. Not that that's his fault, but yeah, just couldn't stay healthy. And then you nailed it right on the head. Just Timothy Lilligren at, at one point in his career, looked like he was never going to make it to the NHL, which is going to be a, a first round bus. So you kind of had two first rounders going head to head from different years. And you're right. Lilligren just, just beat him out. Just, just got further ahead on the depth chart and just made him expendable. The player that they get back in return is Eric Gustafson, a guy who currently has 38 points on the season, seven goals, 31 assists. I mean, he's kind of lost in the shuffle because nobody really knows a lot about him, but it, this is seemingly a good defensive piece. It, I don't know if they might look at flipping him in a trade coming up to base on the uh, trade they made after this one, but this seems like a really nice acquisition. Yeah. I mean, I didn't really, I, I, I found with this trade, I was more focused on the player going out than the player coming in. Um, obviously Gustafson's offensive stats are nice, but he's got a bit of guys bounce around the entire league. He's played for, he was with Montreal when they beat the Leafs in the bubble. They, um, he's been with Chicago. He's been with Washington. I'm pretty sure he's been with at least two other franchises. So kind of just another, another journeyman guy who, if he does fit in the lineup can maybe fit it on a second PP role, but he, he he's going to be down in that bottom six. And it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, once we talk about the the next trade, it'll be interesting to see how it all, how it shakes out on the, on the decor. Pretty sure he scored a hat trick yeah, against the Leafs earlier this season for the yeah. Capitals. So yeah, he did. It, interesting. Like they're really, really, really um, adding to their defensive. They've got nine NHL ready defensemen. Well, it's. At their disposal uh, I mean, right now. I mean, they go get. Uh, I. I mean, let, let's talk about the rest of the trades, and then we'll, then we'll get into that. So this next trade to me, this one is so significant because. Pierre Engvall is a guy that we have talked about so much 
on this show. To me, he is the poster boy for the old school Kyle Dubas philosophy. The, the softest guy in, in the National Hockey League. Like, they don't come softer and easier to play against than Pierre Engvall. Yes, he's got some offensive upside. Upside, He scores a nice goal here and there. Pretty good skater. But when you look at a team like Boston, and you're going to throw a guy like Pierre Engvall out there, it's it doesn't exactly inspire confidence. And that noise you hear right now is the river of tears from the smart guys that is ro- because the smart guy MVP just got dealt to the New York Islanders. This is the ultimate shifting of the tide to me is moving this, this particular player. Like, I don't know about you, but he like this guy was the, like I said, the poster boy for the old school Kyle Dubas way of building a hockey team. Yeah, Ingval was kind of, he it was almost like a mini Jake Gardner, mini William Nylander in terms of being polarizing. But um, he, he was definitely a, a whipping boy more often than not. And it, it like we were going through what the lines were going to look like after they got Lafferty talking about the bottom six and just there was just we were trying to piece it together and just didn't make any sense. So seeing Engvall go out the door is not surprising to me at all. The most interesting part about this trade to me is the fact that it was a Lou Lamorello, Kyle Dubas trade. Yeah, not so much the the players like see you later Engvall like bye third rounder yeah, like, whatever. I just found that the, the general managers making a deal to be the most interesting part of that trade. This is, there's always been the, the war between the the analytics crowd and the eye test crowd. And this trade and the next one coming up is the eye test winning over the analytics. Like, cause Pierre Ingvall, like they love him. They all love him. Anyone who, who is like right into the numbers loves, loves this guy. But he just, like I said, he's, I've I've seen enough. We know what he is. He's he's a soft, soft, soft hockey player. And I mentioned it on on an, our episode uh, over the weekend that there was talk on the radio last week about how he seems to be like he doesn't like the physical stuff. He really gets it. He doesn't like it. And it's it's a cultural shift of we want guys in this dressing room that are going to like lay it all on the line to win. And I just don't think Pierre Engvall is one of those guys. No, I think, and I think more the, the, the people who love Engvall just, I think they just kind of chose to love him because the, the anti-analytic crowd just hated him so much. So that, that was just a reason for them to love him so much. Did they really, really love them? Love him? Like, did they really, or did they just like bringing up his name and telling us how, good he was even though we thought he sucked because of his numbers like whatever we're not gonna miss that guy at all i don't think anybody is really going to miss him at all he made no sense going forward for this hockey team just just an average average below average nhl hockey player um for, quite frankly i couldn't stand watching him play hockey and i'm really happy he's not a maple leaf anymore the maple leafs get a third round pick in return for Pierre Engvall, and literally seconds after that trade came down, it was announced that the Leafs had traded a third-round pick to the Vancouver Canucks, and the prodigal son is returning to Toronto, Luke Shen. You have been hot and cold on the acquisition of Luke Shen. 
Again, this is incredibly symbolic. The smart guys, there are some upset people on Twitter right now over the acquisition of Luke Shen and how bad his numbers are and how he's not good and whatever. But as as I've said a couple of times now, this is a cultural shift. They're looking for a specific type of hockey player. Luke Shen leads the NHL and hits. Luke Shen is a guy who is not afraid to drop the gloves. And this is clearly something that they're prioritizing. And I have something that I would like to say to anyone who's crying about the acquisition of Luke Shen. Anything that pushes Justin Hall out of the top six defensemen and into the press box is a win in my book. And if I'm going to look at Justin Hall or Luke Shen, I'm going to take Luke Shen all day because of what I just said. The guy's leading the National Hockey League in hits. And you need that in a postseason series. You don't need Justin Hall doing Justin Hall nonsense out there every time he's on the ice. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I, I was hot and cold. I'm still kind of hot and cold. Like, am I happy uh, the, the type of hockey player he is? Like, yeah, that's great. I mean, of course I'm happy about that. But at the end of the day, the, the guy can't skate. Like, I know he can hit. I know he can fight. But we're talking about a seventh defenseman here. So I'm not going to get too excited about this. I am happy about the whole culture change thing. But I... The moves today weren't so much about who they acquired. It was more about what what the message was. Like, I, I think everyone they acquired, I, I was like, kind of like, cool, whatever. But it was just like, all these moves just sent a message. And now you're looking at the decor being like, they had five spots taken up and they have one available. And they just went out and add two guys for one spot. So now they have three defensemen fighting for one spot. So it's just going to be very interesting to see who draws in? Like, what's your priority? Um, they seem to love Hole. Like, for some reason, this this team just loves Justin Hole. No, um, Sheldon Keefe loves Justin Hole. Um, Gustafson. I don't know how you can look at getting a Gustafson or a Shen though and continue to. And you cannot tell me with a straight face that Justin Hole is better than Eric Gustafson. You can't we'll, do we'll it. We'll see. We'll see. We'll, we'll see. I'm not going to pretend I'm I'm a big Gustafson and. and and I know what Luke Shen is. Luke Shen played for the Tampa Bay Lightning when they won the Stanley Cups. You know where he was in the press box. So it's, you know, like it's not, we're not bringing in a, a, a stud here. We're bringing in a guy who just brings a, a different impact when he is playing, but like he's not, he's not a massively impactful player, but I just, I, I, I think if you're going for more offensive minded, it's Gustafson. And then it's going to be Hole versus Shen in terms of who's going to be the stay at home guy on the third pair. Because there's just there's literally one spot available. Like there's five spots taken up that are solid, and there's gonna be three guys battling out for one spot, which I guess what everyone loves to say, inner competition's the best best way to go about creating the best lineup, but it's 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 gonna be interesting. And I, I'm really happy they went out and, and got those guys, but to me it was less about what they got today and more about the message of like, holy shit, this is a culture change. Like, with 22 games, 20 games left, this is wild. This is, this is an overhaul, almost. Do you worry about chemistry? No, no. I don't either, because I think these guys, because oh, what we've been saying, I think these guys, the guys they're bringing in are not necessarily super skilled hockey players. They're they're guys that that play a certain style that they felt they were missing. So if you were bringing in like a skilled guy, then I think, oh, he needs time to acclimate with Matthews and Mark. Like the the guy, the one guy that they got that I would think would need time to acclimate is Ryan O'Reilly. And he's been here for over a week now or 
or yeah, over a week now. Yeah. So I, I just, I don't think it's anything to get super concerned about. Do you think he's done? I don't think he's done. I'm seeing a lot of, we just talked about all the defensemen they have now. Um, the the whole situation with Matt Murray on LTIR is still very like shrouded oh, and mystery. So the most confusing situation ever. Like but, trying to understand that situation from from multiple different sources is exhausting. It's literally it's gonna, exhausting. It's going to be really telling to see what happens between now and Friday with Matt Murray because that's great that you went out and got all these players, but you're a groin pull away from having Joe wall start in front of this team. And I know that theoretically you go and you bolster your defense to help if that situation arises, but I don't know, man, I, I think it's, it's going to be really telling how much faith they have in Matt Murray as we get closer and closer to Friday. Well, like when I ask, when I want to ask Leaf fans, like how confident were you with the last two seasons going into the playoffs with Jack Campbell? Like you're telling me that you think, you think Jack Campbell was, better than Ilya Samsonov right now. I know he could get hurt, but like they've been in this situation for the past two seasons and that they've still been one game away from getting there. Like the, I, 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 I don't, I don't know. If like, it's, I don't, I don't understand. Know if like, I don't know. I don't know if it's, if, if it's Samsonov, like, it was kind of like what I said to you yesterday. Samsonov's the number one guy. Like even even if they don't do anything and Matt Murray stays and they 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 bring him back off LTIR, it's he's gonna have to earn his way back in. That like Samsonov's the guy. Yeah. I think the concern comes from, like I said, you're a groin pull away from Rob, Rob if, Joe if, Wall. If, if Andre Vasilevsky pulls his groin game one, that's a guaranteed series win for the Maple Leafs. Like yeah, it's true. every that's a good every team is in this situation. I don't get why we have to go out and trade a first round pick for Jonas Corpusalo. Like very rarely, like I think the Bruins are the only team that are in this situation that actually have two goalies that they can rely on. But you're telling me the Rangers are confident if Shesterkin pulls his groin? Like they're not going to go out and break their backs to go get a, a depth option. That's probably not even going to do anything anyway. Like I just think this is just, I, I just don't get this conversation about getting another goalie. Like you have your number one goalie. If he gets injured, like you're kind of screwed. It'd be nice to have Murray, but like if the Tampa Bay Lightnings, if Vasilevsky gets injured in that series, the Leafs win the series. So it's like, I, I don't know. Like there's only so much you can do to help that situation. Like you, you can't just go out and fix it. Like it's, it's almost an unfixable situation. You just got to put your hands together like this and yeah. just hope for the best. Right. What do you think spurn this along? Because you, you've mentioned a couple times, like, why did it take five years to get here? Why did it take five years to realize this team is too easy to play against and we need to start loading up with some character guys? I think part of it is definitely timing because a lot of these guys became available right now. And I do think the circumstance of Kyle Dubas is, um, being on the last year of his contract definitely played a role into it. You'd be, you'd be foolish not to. But like, why now are they going... We got to do this. We got to well, go I, all in. I, I've been, I'm interested to see if you agree with me on this, but I think it's the Tampa Bay Lightning. Like I, I, think I, it's, I Ryan, I think it's the competition. I think yeah, the Lightning are the first like obstacle they have to get over. But even yeah. if you somehow get past the Lightning, guess who you got next? And the Rangers go and get Patty Kane today. Yeah. So it's like yeah. the, the the we talked about it yesterday. The arms race in the Eastern Conference, and I think like 
if, if you if you add that together with the other circumstances, like I just said about Dubis's job and whatever, what have you, I think it just led to this. Yeah. And I think maybe, maybe it just took all those years to finally realize that, that like you had to do this and he knows his job's on the line that adds to it. But I just think um, like those first couple of years when they lost those series, like you still kind of held on the fact that the core was young and then they were going to learn their lessons or whatever. But since like you've watched Montreal, you watched Tampa Bay. Um, you realize that this core by themselves just aren't good enough. And the, and with with Sandin and Engvall going out, the, those are two guys that have kind of grown that are in the same situation where they're still trying to learn how to win. I think they really tried to axe as many players like that, like like learning lesson type players. Like they want instead they wanted to go out and get veterans who may have not have won anywhere, but guys who just are older and have been around longer and play that playoff style and just help change that losing learning culture that they've been going through every single year because every single year they lose in game seven and it's well it's a learning lesson but the, like, there's no more time for learning lessons like if you, you can't have Pierre Engvall on your roster learning a lesson this year like you know no, like you it's can. like no you gotta eliminate lesson learning it's school's over like it's time to time to take the test and pass I also think that they know how fragile it'd be interesting to see the role that Jason Spezza is playing in all this sitting beside Kyle Dubas of having insight into what's in that dressing room and how these guys think and what the type of character guys that they need. Because I also think that part of this, it might be to insulate the top guys. Like at the end of the day, the top guys are going to have to be the ones that lead them to the promised land. But we talked about it before about how their psyches are so fragile and when you bring in guys who are going to go balls to the wall to do everything they can to try and win, it helps take the pressure off them. And it'll help in moments where things get tough to sort of keep them going and not shut down and not go, oh, no, here we go again. Like we're we're on our way out again. Another thing, too, Ryan, we're going to go to your favorite topic here. You know who all these acquisitions really help? Matthew Nyes. Yeah. Because now you can take Matthew Nyes straight out of the Frozen Four in April, and you can drop him on the third or fourth line, and there is no expectations that this guy comes in and is, is a difference maker right away. You yeah. can drop him in. You can see it's a sink or swim type thing. I think if he sinks, I don't think anybody is going to go, oh, well, Matthew Nyes, everyone will be kind of like, well, he's a kid, whatever. They tried it, and you can take him out, and you can throw, pick a guy back Well, in. you're not really putting that. At this point, you're not even putting him in a sinker. If you're throwing him on the first line, second line, expecting him to contribute offensively, that's a sink or swim situation. But if you're throwing him on the third line, I don't think there's much of a sink or swim element to it. It's just go out yeah. there and, and try to be effective, you know? Yeah. Man, I what a it's been what a, a day. long this is time. Like it's been this this day has been absolutely insane. Like one of the best days to be a Leaf fan in a long, yeah. long, long time. This is we're setting a record here for consecutive episodes. Yeah, well, hey, buddy, strike when that iron's hot, baby. Yeah, you got to strike when that iron's hot. We're just, I, I. I'm so happy. Like, I'm yeah. so happy. Listen, 
even if they lose, I said this yesterday, I'll oh, say it again. Even if even they lose that. in the first round of Tampa, but even if they do, I'm not going to begrudge. Like this is, this no, is a general no. manager who's going for it. And you and I, and I think we've been just have shit all over the NHL for being a brutal product that lacks entertainment. And today Kyle Dubas just said, screw it and shook, took the league and sh- like turned it upside down. Yeah. And I think the one thing that Kyle's really doing, like I'm not in the camp that you are in. I don't think you should get a, a, a deal because of these trades. I, um, but one thing he is doing, he's really just putting it all on the players. Like this is, yeah. I think every single season you could look at him and be like, well, you didn't have enough. You had, you had Pierre Engvall out there, like in a prominent yeah. role. Like what, what do you expect? And I think he's just really putting it on the players now. Like you make all these moves, you especially to appease everyone who's been chirping their, their lack of toughness and their lack of character and playoff style hockey. Like they're, they're appeasing all of us in that sense. Kyle is appeasing all of us. So he's, he's really putting it on the players and they're going to look, and I think the core is going to look really stupid if they go out in the first round this, this year. And the, it's you, just, it's, it's all in the players. I sent you a tweet earlier. Uh, that was a quote from Jake McCabe after practice today. And he says, they said, what are your priorities now that you're a member of the Maple Leafs. And he says, make life hard on the other team's top players. Just do whatever it takes to win every night. Block shots, do whatever it takes. I thought, uh, I forget what show I was listening to because I was trying to get as much reaction as I could. I think it was, I think it was Overdrive. And they were talking about how this impacts Morgan Riley. And I thought it was a very interesting conversation how adding kind of, and most of the guys they've added other than Gustafson are pretty, pretty stay at home, shut down individuals. And now if you throw Brody out there with McCabe, like there's, there's, there's the guys going against Kucherov every single shift. Yeah. And, and Mo can kind of take more of the role of playing against some weaker forward pairs. Not that there's any weak lines on the lightning, but just kind of, just kind of the pressure it takes off of, of Morgan Riley, adding a guy like McCabe and adding some, some depth at the bottom. And another it, thing and- too, another thing I'll say too, is I think, today really showed how impressive um, and what an amazing story Timothy Lilligren's been. Oh, 100% agree. Like, dude, this guy was relevant, bro. Like, he he was a joke. Like, he was almost and a was, joke at one yeah, point. Yeah, and it was it was, it was was years of when is this guy going to take yeah. the leap? When is this guy going to take the leap? And all of and, a sudden, he's he's not coming out of the lineup. He's, he's in no. the top four. Yeah. He, I think he's, I, I'd take Giordano out of the lineup before I take him out. Ryan, I sat here with you like two, three weeks ago, and I did I my defensive depth chart, and he was number one. I know, and I was defending Sandine like an idiot. Yeah, well, listen, I think, I think there's some indication too that that like the the relationship between Sandine and the organization had kind of soured a little bit after yeah. the the contract situation, and it's just move on, get a fresh start. Um, I tell you what, though, man, with these defensive, uh, with these defensive acquisitions they made today, if I see Justin Hull in the top six defense, I'm I want a paternity test. Yeah, they love between Sheldon Keefe and Justin Hull because I'm Justin Hull, Sheldon Keefe's son. I'm 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 sorry if if you you just brought in two more guys that you can add to the mix here. We don't need to see Justin hole anymore. Sheldon, we're waving the white flag. We don't need to see him anymore. 
Yeah. And I, I think, uh, you know, what, what I said about Luke Shen earlier, like, uh, it is pretty cool seeing him come full circle. Yep. This, remember when Bert, they drafted yeah, him and Berkey yeah, was, was like, this guy's good, could be our captain in a and, few and it's, years. And it, it, when you really think about that situation, it was really, it was re- extremely unfair, the position he was put in. Yes. Like yes, just, he had way too much put on his shoulders this guy at a young was, age. This guy was never going to be a number one defenseman. He was just a rough and tough hockey player who, who like, and it just, he, he got put in in just a garbage situation with Ryan, this organization. He's going to have his first game back at Scotiabank Arena. The ovation for him is going to be, it's going to blow the roof off. All this guy has to do for the rest of the season is lay a few big hits and drop the mitts a couple times. And this guy's set for life. They'll throw the alumni jacket on him and he'll be going and doing signings with all the other X Leafs that they they keep in their alumni group like this. Yeah, he is the the but, roof is going to come off that place. Yeah, and I I um it, it's really just going to be a battle. Like I think I think uh, I mean they may who knows what I I can't even begin to understand what's going on in Kyle Dubas's head right now. Like we don't know what else is coming. Um, there could be a more trades. There could be no more trades. Whatever. But as of today, if if those three guys are battling for that sixth spot, then. Like there, there, there you go. Like, it's just, I, I don't know who's going to fit in, but you have 20 games to figure it out. So we'll see. You look at, you look at it. And so in closing, I think the main takeaway here is they've taken a look at uh, their depth guys on the roster. And they've said, if you're not a guy that is going to lay it all out on the line out there, you're gone. And Pierre Engvall is the poster boy for that, that I cannot state enough how huge I think the moving on from Pierre Engvall, because he was a Dubas guy. Like he was with the Marlies when they won the Calder Cup. Sheldon Keefe coached him. They they brought him in. They gave him a contract extension. They really believed that this was a guy that could eventually sort of evolve into a top six winger position. And he never did because he is, when you look up soft hockey in the dictionary, you see that guy's face. And I, I, I don't blame them for thinking that either. Like, how could you no, not you look do. at that guy? I'm sure I've never yeah. stood beside him, but I'm sure if you stand beside the man, he's, he's huge. He can skate fast in a straight line. Like I totally get it, but it's just, have you like, I just, like, I'm trying to, I'm just trying to think like what other contending team has ever done this? Like it just like overhauled completely their, just over yeah. the roster. Yeah. Like it's, it's at the it's deadline. Insane. At the deadline, dude. Yeah. It's not like it's not like this is like an off season where it's like, oh, Kyle Dubas, like they're they're gonna see a whole new team. No, this is yeah. at this is like two weeks out from the trade deadline. Like rewind a few weeks ago, like pre All Star break, and watching that team with Austin Matthews injured, and you yeah. and I sitting there wanting to pull our eyeballs out of our head, being like, yeah. this is this is brutal. Now. Fast forward, you're right. It's a complete overhaul. It's insane. It's, insane. it's absolutely insane. I, I've I've never seen anything like it, and I think it's extra impactful because of it's because it's the Leafs as well. Like it's just yes. If if there was any team that needed a a culture flip going into the playoffs, like th- this team is number one on that list. You have said uh, multiple times leading up to this, he needs to have his um 
he needs to have his Alex Anthopoulos 2015 moment, and he's it's having uncanny it right how similar it is. It's uncanny because Alex yeah. said the same thing. Alex said that he didn't really understand the intangibles until later into his tenure, even though he was already gone, so he didn't really care. But um, just, just it's uncanny how similar it is. Uh, all right, buddy, we're going to get out of here. Um, I don't know when we'll be back. We could be back tomorrow. Like it's, it's the way Kyle Dubas hey, this, is, is the, moving man, and shaking. This this episode may, may never see the, the, the may don't, even see joke about, don't even joke about that. We just did 32 <laughs> minutes. Don't even joke about that. Yeah. Yeah. So as I said, off the top, we should be your go-to source for Toronto Maple Leafs discussion and analysis because Apparently, Kyle Dubas shared our view of this roster as well. So if you want to jump along for the ride, we got 22 games left. Then we're heading into the postseason. Hit that like and subscribe button below. What else should they do, Ryan? Spread the word. Tell your family and your friends and your dogs. We really appreciate it. We will catch. We'll see you guys when we see you. Let's be honest. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all had. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know? And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from jeffwoodsradio.com. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundal from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network.